1: It's time to get your problems solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get 15% off your order with code PODCAST15. The gap between Bernie and Hillary supporters is closing, and the gap between public and private Hillary is
2: becoming more clear. Donald Trump is figuring out how to fill the gap in his support with his VP pick. This is Sarah from the left and Beth from the right. You're listening to Pantsu Politics. No shouting, no insults, plenty of nuance.
1: Welcome to The Briefcase, everyone. We're back from Chicago. We had a great time. Uh, before we get started, we have some
2: big news. Beth, where are we going? We are going to the Democratic National Convention, and we really could not be more excited about this. May, let me just add
1: a layer of this to you, to it for everybody. Hillary Clinton will be
2: accepting the presidential nomination
1: on my birthday, my 35th birthday, and we will be there.
2: It's basically like the universe said, Sarah, what do you want more than anything on Earth? And then wrapped it up for you in a big Mm -hmm. boat, and we get to be there. Mm -hmm. So we're going to be
1: podcasting. We're going to try to do some interviews live podcasts from the floor, and then some big wrap-up episodes when we get back. And these types of opportunities are why your support is so incredibly important to making Suit Politics possible. So um, we appreciate the donations. Keep them coming if you'd like to become a monthly supporter of the show. There's all kinds of cool perks like getting your name mentioned on air and T-shirts. So please stop by com and become a supporter.
2: We learned a gazillion things in Chicago to try to make the show better for everyone, and we're going to keep putting those into action, and your support makes all of that possible, too, so thank you very much. We are going to kind of abdicate our role here for a second, Sarah, because this week Bernie endorsed Hillary Clinton, and... Pretty much one of our listeners summed up our thoughts on this. So we're going to play you a little message from Bryn in North Carolina, who is one of Bernie's biggest fans and is now, I think, providing some very nuanced commentary about this.
0: Hi, Beth. Hi, Sarah. It's Bryn. I wanted to give some thoughts on uh, today's endorsement. Bernie Sanders officially endorsed Hillary Clinton for president. And uh, it was a little tough watching some of my Twitter feed go by with some of the feedback. Uh, From Bernie supporters, uh, upset that he's a quote sellout, Uh, uh, you know, listen up guys, I was there with you the entire time. Ask ask Sarah, ask Beth, I was one of the biggest Bernie supporters uh, this primary season, but I understand, as does Bernie, that he lost, she won, fair and square, she got more of the votes, criticize the process all you want, the fact is, this is how it turned out. Uh, if we want to change that, we have to do that next time, but this is where we're at. And Bernie's accepting that, and now we are he's working with her to make sure that, God forbid, Donald Trump doesn't become president. So, you know, Bernie supporters, I'm, I'm heartbroken as well, but this is the reality that we're left with. Uh, Hillary is working to uh, promote ideas that Bernie stands for. Um, They're working together to, uh, you know, make the the Democratic platform better. Uh, Last week they announced a big education plan that was great. Um, There's still some work to be done, but, you know, there is progress being made. Uh, I was upset with some Hillary supporters who were criticizing Bernie for talking too long. Um, You know, I don't know if they just expected him to Stand up there, say he endorsed her, and sit down. Um, that is some kind of false reality. If that's what they were expecting, and he's going to get up there and tell his supporters why he's endorsing her. You know, he's a big, uh, was a big opponent of her in the primary. There's a lot of Bernie supporters who are really upset, and he's going to have to, you know, really work. He's trying to work them to un- help them understand. You know, that he's not going to run as a third-party candidate and why they should vote for her. We need those voters, so don't alienate them. Uh, So I'm hoping for a little more nuance uh, as uh, the next few weeks go on. I'm hoping that some more Bernie supporters can, uh, you know, come and, and get behind Hillary because, uh, you know, we, we've got to work together to make sure that Donald Trump doesn't become president. None of the ideas that Bernie stands for will be achieved by Donald Trump, uh, despite some people saying there are some similarities. Those are my thoughts. If you want to get in touch with me, uh, fellow listeners, you can get me on Twitter, at BrynBehr. That's B-R-Y-N-B-E-H-R. Sarah and Beth, as always, you guys are awesome keep it nuanced.
2: Sarah, do you have anything to add to what Bryn says? Nope. Nailed it. (laughs) I think so, too. I think so, too. I mean, I'm sure that everyone in the Democratic Party is taking a big sigh of relief. And it'll be very interesting, I think, when we're at the DNC to hear people's stories about sort of their journeys to supporting Hillary Clinton. So I'm hoping that we can add some more some more to Bryn's excellent analysis.
1: There is news that Donald Trump's VP pick is looking very likely to be Mike Pence, the governor of Indiana. Beth, your immediate thoughts.
2: I don't have a lot of immediate thoughts about Mike (laughs) Pence because he sort of reminds me of toast. (laughs) Well, I think Donald Trump could use some toast in
1: his life. Well, and
2: in that way... I guess that's fine. It's weird to me. I I get that Donald Trump has a very limited universe of people to choose from, because there are so few people willing to be part of this, shall we say, experiment. (laughs) I also think it's strange, though, that Mike Pence, who is in a very tough race for reelection, it just feels like, well... Maybe I'm not going to win the governor seat again, so maybe I could be vice president. Like, that doesn't – something doesn't compute there for me. The other thing that doesn't compute for me is that Mike Pence was a Ted Cruz supporter in a very Mm. authentic way. It's really hard to imagine putting Trump with Mike Pence to me in terms of what they think is important, their demeanors. It feels like what John Kasich said that Fred Davis was talking about during our interview that, like – these, these two corporations are about to merge, even though they have nothing in common.
1: Well, there's a song I used to listen to, and I think the title was, I'm, It was like a, it's a cute little love song, and it's like, I'm glad I hitched my apple wagon to your star, only in this case, the star is a comet crashing to Earth, and I don't know why you would hitch
2: your wagon to
1: it, but whatever
2: we'll see. You know, some of the polls are showing things tightening in a few swing states. It's going to be like this all summer, right? Up and down and up and down. And that's okay. I, I just think Pence is such a strange choice. Newt Gingrich would have made more sense to me, even though I don't think he adds anything to the ticket. He seems much more like the kind of person Donald Trump would choose to have at his side. And that's the situation here, right? If Trump is running on Authenticity. He's real. He does what he wants. He doesn't follow the consultants and their advice. Mike Pence seems like a consultant choice and Newt Gingrich seems like Donald Trump's choice to me. Even more than Newt Gingrich, Donald Trump coming up and saying like someone we've never heard of in the vetting process would be more Donald Trump style. I love how many of our listeners on Twitter think that he'll just name Ivanka. <laughs> and, you know that that would feel more genuine. So I think he takes a little bit of a risk with Pence. Actually, even more so than Gingrich, because Pence just doesn't feel like his brand, and his brand is his thing. That's true. If you're looking for a very quick salon quality, but not salon priced manicure, Olive and June has you covered. We've talked about Olive and June's Manny system before. It has everything that you need for a professional manicure in one box, salon grade tools, your choice of six polishes. Those polishes are gonna last you for seven days or more. The cost breaks down to about $2 a manicure. Olive and June also has press-ons if you want. What I love though, is that Olive and June each season is coming out with new colors. And I just got a set of spring and summer colors in quick dry polish. they say this dries in about a minute. It seemed dry to me in about 30 seconds. It was not kidding about being quick dry. I also love the light colors in this set. There is a huge range. My favorite one is called Kitten. It's like a pinkish gray. The quick dry polish gives you full coverage in one or two coats. It lasts for more than five days and it is offered in more than 40 cruelty-free and vegan polishes. Olive and June just understands what's happening in our lives, that we need to move quickly, but we want to look great and feel great and have fun in the process. Visit oliveandjune.com slash for 20% off your first system. That's O-L-I-V-E-A-N-D-J-U-N-E dot com slash P-A-N-T-S-U-I-T for 20% off your first Manny system.
1: Just finished A Court of Thorns and Roses and craving another fantasy world to devour? Dipsy's got you. Dive into spicy enemies to lovers' tales or embark on an epic romance between immortal fae and sworn foes. They've got fantasy romance stories perfect for your morning walk, late night, or long bath. Dipsy is an app full of short, spicy audio stories. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. And there's a growing library of fantasy series with werewolves, Greek gods and goddesses, dot com slash well speaking of people and their brands Hillary Clinton has a brand that she doesn't enjoy <laughs> I don't think at least a part of her brand is the idea that you know she is this ambitious uh, depending on the extremity of the person extremeness of the per not extremity extremeness that of the person that was a Freudian slip there um, <laughs> Yeah, right? Right, totally. Um, Extreme views of the person speaking, that she's anywhere from like a sociopath, a monster. Ezra Klein wrote this amazing, based on an interview with her um, Vox article, we all know how I feel about Ezra Klein, about what he calls the gap, which is why her public persona is so different than the way she is described by people who know her. I have first experience with the gap You know, I'm not Huma, I'm not hanging I was not hanging out with Hillary all the time. But, you know, as an intern and then as an advanced staffer on her campaign in two thousand eight, I got to sit around a table with her and listen to her answer questions with no cameras, no people nearby. Um, I heard I got to see how she treated her staff, hear many stories from her staff, and also be in the room with just her and a couple people, you know, a handful of times. And the woman I saw is so far away from how people describe her, and it's really frustrating To come up against that and be like, no, but y'all, that's not what she's like. And so Ezra really tries to tackle this. And he talks a lot in the beginning about how she's described as a listener. You know, she went on a listening tour... And her Senate campaign and how everybody describes, she, the, the biggest difference between her and other politicians is that she listens. There's this really great anecdote about how a staffer had to have card table time and she didn't really know what that meant. And what it meant was Hillary takes every little scrap of paper somebody gives her and puts it out on a card table and sorts it and decides what to do with it. And categorizes it and you know turns it into policy sometimes, which I thought was just a really great Sort of metaphor for how she works generally, and what I really like is he talks about the research of Deborah Tannen, and it says suggest a reason for the difference, the different ways women communicate, in particular the way that she listens and men like Donald Trump talk. She says women, she's found, emphasize the rapport dimension of communication. Did a particular conversation bring us closer together or further apart? Men, by contrast, emphasize the status dimension. Did a conversation raise my status compared to yours? Talking is a way of changing your status. If you make a great point or set the terms of the discussion, you win the conversation. Listening, on the other hand, is a way of establishing rapport, of bringing people closer together, showing you've heard what's been said so far. It may not win you the conversation, but it does win you allies, and winning allies is how Hillary Clinton won the Democratic nomination. So, I mean, I think it's pretty clear what kind of communication pants politics support. So uh, that really spoke to me.
2: It spoke to me, too. A lot of aspects of this article brought me back to how much on sort of a personal and professional level I identify with Hillary Clinton, even though I'm, you know, the other side of the universe from her on a lot of policies. I think that that it is relatable to me. And you know what I kept thinking as I read about all this listening? She has to just be exhausted Yeah, that's a lot of emotional, like, it's a lot of emotional work. It's also Mm -hmm. a whole lot of deference to people who don't know what they're talking about. And I find nothing more exhausting, you know, than a situation as a professional where you're talking about something that you've studied, you've given enormous thought to, and you're sitting across from someone who's thought about it maybe 100th as much as you have, but you have to listen with all this openness and curiosity. There's huge value in that, but it is also an amazing energy drain. So I just thought, I wonder how she keeps this up. Because what I've experienced as a professional, she has experienced on steroids, right? And so right, I, I give her a lot of credit for that sort of resilience and humility and stamina. Now, humility is an interesting word as applied to Hillary Clinton, because what I thought Ezra Klein did very well in this, argu- in this article is show the paradox that is Hillary Clinton. He also talked about how... Be- the danger of leading by listening is the... The the danger of leading by listening and also the fact that she genuinely believes that no matter what she does, she's going to be ripped apart. Which is probably true, but then layer two of that is this carelessness that the Clintons both exercise because it's almost like, well, we can't win, so we're going to play it completely our way. And you've talked about that before too, Sarah, that because they have this sense that it it never stops, the scrutiny never stops for them, why not just do what you want to do?
1: I'm still going to go to the mat for listening, but it has to be in conjunction with a big piece of trusting your gut and i think what their relationship with the media and the way that they have been treated unfairly in the past you know that article i talked about last time you know like travelgate they were trying to clean up like corruption and they got that turned into another scandal when they were trying to prevent scandal and i feel like what i feel like that when you feel treated unfairly so often it like it sort of eviscerates or like disconnects your heart from your gut and you're thinking well i can't trust my gut because Whatever it whatever it tells me to do is wrong. So it's like you lose you lose um your connection with that, your sort of guiding light, because I would imagine you would start to distrust every thought you have or every instinct you have. And especially I think what the Clinton campaign is the way it's different this time from last time and what I hope that she's learned is not to have such group thing. I mean it's not that Cindy Blumenthal is still not super um influential in their lives, but like it seems like They brought in other people and people who don't just – who sort of understand the way the world has changed and the climate has changed and that um, it can't just be – if nothing else, it's like a different generation of, you know, political consultants and, you know – people who weren't born when they were running for governor in Arkansas yet. You know, like Robbie Mook's pretty young. So I, I don't know if that's what it is or what, but I hope that they have enough people who are connected to their gut, new sort of new blood in the in the Clinton, in Clinton land or Hillary land that has changed things.
2: I think with both candidates, something that is really important and undervalued beyond sort of trite references to a team of rivals is the necessity of surrounding yourself with people who genuinely disagree with you often. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the most effective insults against Donald Trump is when Elizabeth Warren calls him thin-skinned. I've heard Mm -hmm. Hillary Clinton say that too. It doesn't quite have the edge that it does from Elizabeth Warren, but I think that term feels so true. Even if you were a strident Trump supporter, thin-skinned rings true. And I think that's one of his most problematic characteristics. Even if you could get past all of the dangerous rhetoric and lack of seeming lack of understanding about foreign policy, cut, put all that to the side. That thin skinned tendency is such a problem to me and this article that says hillary clinton is a great listener is really the other side of that coin so i i think that that's such an asset to her if the public could see her with people around her who really challenge her and push her sarah and i have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible and skincare is a huge piece of that There's not much worse than a dry energy scalp. Also, when you get your hair colored and then it does not last as long as you and your stylist discussed. It could be that unfiltered, mineral-filled water is the culprit. Hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin, and about 85% of the United States uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered shower head comes in. Canopy, known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, With Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription, even better, our listeners can use code Pantsuit at checkout to save an additional ten percent off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you.
1: Yeah, and because I think listening is great, and listen, and though if you listen the way that they describe her listening which is i, I believe true you're going to come up against a bunch of opposing information and conflicting information but if you could sort of stop that at the listening stage and don't carry it into the like advising and analysis stage where you have somebody else but you know i mean i don't know it's really tough i think it's tough to know, you know she's not the only person on the planet that doesn't that struggles with like when do i st- stop the input and make a decision like that's that's hard i mean i do that about what I'm going to wear, much less like big, huge policy decisions like that, especially when it's, you know, in economics and all these places where you don't have a consensus. You have experts, really well-qualified experts in a lot of policy areas saying conflicting things. What are you supposed to do? You know? So I do think she's brought in fresh blood. That seems to at least understand this problem and is trying to prevent it as opposed to, the very insular Clinton landscape of the, you know, 1990s. And
2: I think that's why as much as I don't think the VP choice will swing many people this year because these two personalities are so well-known and people's support or opposition is so hardened, it does tell you a lot about someone because the president just can't be everything. And the kinds of people the president chooses to surround himself or herself with that's really important that's really the right. undersecretary of agriculture is a is an important role right and so looking right. at those choices i think is is pretty critical
1: Ruth Bader Ginsburg was a little critical of Donald Trump. Mildly, so yes. Mildly. Um, I am not nuanced about Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I don't care what she says about Donald Trump. Sorry, I know that's really bad. I know I should really protect the objectivity of the Supreme Court. But I don't, does any, I guess my beef with this is, do any of us really think any of the Supreme Court justices are objective and are not representing their political beliefs because I don't even pre sort of they started tackling political questions I don't I think I don't think they've always been like that it just maybe was hidden better but she must have taken the criticisms to heart because she recently said on reflection my recent remarks in response to press inquiries were ill-advised
2: and I regret making them
1: which I just love her more for being so quick to apologize I mean she can do nothing wrong
2: it's interesting how immediately after her apologies started seeing people say well, she gave Trump some legitimacy by apologizing. It's just like, come on, everybody. Can can we stop having a story about this? I did find her remarks very troubling because of the standards currently surrounding our judiciary. And let me say... I also found it extremely troubling when Justice Alito had his famous moment at the State of the Union where it was clear that he was critical of President Obama. So this is not a partisan Mm. issue for me. It is about process and the integrity of the judiciary. That said, I agree with you that they're all humans. We know they have opinions. I think there is a struggle and a tension um, around thinking of justices as capable of a level of impartiality that most of us are not capable of. And so this is where I'm not sure what the right answer is, but I think this is one situation where you should sort of go all one way or the other. So I think that we either keep up this myth of them being Mm -hmm. silent on their opinions, all of them, or we shift to a lot more transparency it's hard for me to imagine what good comes of all that transparency, given our political climate, because you hate to see the third branch of government become so politicized. But, but you know, Congress has kind of already done that to it. The the yeah. confirmation process has kind of eviscerated any protection we thought might have existed around the Supreme Court. So maybe complete transparency is the way to go. Maybe we should have justices reflecting on cases after they've been decided. It would be so interesting, for example, to hear from someone who was part of Planned Parenthood versus Casey reflecting on that decision years later, who's still on the court, right, and and kind of know what they're thinking. I mean, I, I wonder what kind of influence and efficiency that could bring into the judicial judicial process that could be healthy. There are lots of arguments against that, too. So that's where I think the judges kind of all need to be on the same page about this. So it was very shocking to me that Justice Ginsburg was so forthcoming and so critical uh, before the election. If she had said this after it was over, like, thank goodness, because, you (laughs) know, I think that would have felt different to me. I still think it would have been pretty extraordinary, but it would have felt different. Um this it, this is a really interesting question though. It's a question we return to a lot about the media. Everybody's pretending to report from an unbiased place. They're clearly not. And the same can be said of our judges. It's just what standards do we want to hold them to?
1: I f- I think the only thing we can agree on is that somewhere Chief Justice Roberts is like, "Y'all stop." Like I take the <laughs> he clearly takes the sort of perceived objectivity and importance of the court very seriously, and I think rightly he recognizes that in a hyper-polarized time, the danger to the court is real, but you know, between the Alito head-shaking and RBG mailing off, he is somewhere being like... If you guys don't stop.
2: Well, and he's walked the walk on that, right? Because he's been part of some decisions that were very unpopular among the conservatives who confirmed him so enthusiastically. So while I recognize that our liberal listeners are not sitting around, you know, wearing Justice Roberts T-shirts, I think that he is a a pretty good example of of what the judiciary is supposed to be same thing with justice kennedy right i mean to me if you have a justice where you say i'm not sure where this person's going to come out that's that's good that's where we should be yeah I
1: have some Fun shop news, which is we're selling our t shirts still, but free shipping moving forward from today. So, if you want a Pantsuit Politics t shirt, but you haven't gotten around to ordering one now, it's free shipping, so get on it. And please uh, keep leaving us iTunes reviews, like us on Facebook, or follow us on Twitter at Pantsuit Politic. Thank you again to our supporters, Nicolette, Paige, and Sydney. And until next week, keep it nuanced, y'all.